0: To see, you know, literally from the day, you know, a, a, a little piglet is born and, you know, how much work goes into to giving this this pig the, the life it deserves. And then when it comes into the restaurant, the only way to do it is to treat it with, with the same respect.
1: This is The Crackling. I'm Anthony Huckstep. One of the benefits of a career in hospitality is a clearly defined career path, an opportunity to rise the ranks of a kitchen and one day potentially lead it. For Troy Crisante, it's led to a star role in one of the most influential restaurants in Australia's culinary history, Key. Troy, how are you?
0: I'm good thanks Huck, how are you?
1: I'm good. All those years ago when you were an apprentice at Key, did you ever imagine you'd become a co-head chef?
0: I definitely did not. It's a dream come true, really. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's, it's awesome.
1: You're in an interesting role. It's not often a co-head chef, but Key is also not a normal restaurant. Well, what's it like um, working with another uh, head chef in such an important restaurant?
0: Yeah, it's um, it's definitely unusual, uh, put it that way. Um, but I mean, I've been super lucky to get another amazing chef um, standing next to me on the pass, um, in Tim Mifsud. and you know we we work really well together and we bounce off each other and you know it's been it's been really really good. I can only say positive things. Um,
1: yeah, Is, are the, do you bring different skill sets? To each roles to enable uh, the kitchen to function.
0: Totally, um, I think we're we're both very different, very different people uh, with our own, you know, strengths strengths and weaknesses. And you know, I, I don't think it would have worked as well if you know there was two Troys or or two Tims. Um, it's uh, yeah, it's we've we've both got our our styles, and we both you know connect with with different you know staff members and and people in the team. And yeah, it's a it's a really great balance. It's a really great balance.
1: And you obviously work with uh, the legendary Peter Gilmore and a little bit later on I want to talk into dish creation and how the three of you work together in in regards to that, but I want to go back to when you were young. What what sort of role did food play for you in your family?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, uh, coming from a from a very you know Italian Italian background, my born, my dad was born in Italy and um, came out with his parents when when he was young. Food was food was always you know a big part of our a big part of our life. I mean, every Sunday we'd go to my, my nonna's house and and have lunch, um, and you know we'd do things like you know once a year we'd have passata day. Um, you know we'd get two or three hundred kilos of of tomatoes in in January or February and. Everyone would go over to my grandparents' house, and you know there'd be ten or fifteen of us all, you know, prepping, prepping, and um, and you know, juicing tomatoes and bottling it, and you know, there'd be there'd be arguments about you know who's putting too much salt in or who's putting a green tomato in, and you know, um, yeah, it's it, food's always been a big part of my life, but but not so much in a in a fine dining in a fine dining sense.
1: That Italian heritage, uh, do you have any dishes or feasts that you remember where pork was the centerpiece in, in those days when you were a kid?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, our family is from Abruzzo, which is a um, about central, central region. Um, and, you know, like our pastas and things like that, if we make, you know, pasta sauce, it always has, you know, two or three different cuts of pork in it. Um, so you don't see a, a, a bolognese style uh, pork. It's mostly a tomato sauce, but with you know you'll put one pork sausage in there. You'll put a couple of pork ribs in there. Um, you know maybe there might be a little bit of a bit of leg or um, or a bit of cheek or something like that. Um, and then yeah, so and then also with you know a, a piece of chuck steak and a chicken wing and you know it's a it's a very you know peasant style. And and of course you know. On a on a big celebration day, you know, you'd have a you'd have a big porchetta um, or something like that, um, which which my auntie is is the is the pro at, and she's always stuck with that job. Did she ever
1: give you any sort of tips and secrets to to her porchetta?
0: <laughs> yes, I mean every, everyone's got their everyone's got their own their own secret. Um, I think in our our family, you can never have never have too much salt inside inside the porchetta or or on the skin. <laughs> That's the that's the trick.
1: You're uh, looking after you know one of the the very best uh, restaurants in the country in in our culinary history as well. But what what was the lure for you to start a career in hospitality?
0: Um, I mean, from having you know such a such a, a family based around food, it was it was very natural for me. And kind of from a young age, I always I always knew I wanted to be a chef. Um, but I, I didn't really know anything about, you know, fine dining food. I kind of I had a had a couple of, you know, kitchen hand jobs at local cafes or pizzerias. Um and you know, I said to my mum one day, I think I think I want to be a chef. Um and she said she said go for it. So I was I was actually working at, you know, the fanciest the fanciest place in town, which was a um which was a restaurant in Kyle Bay just outside the Sutherland Shire. Um, you know washing dishes and you know there was things like you know salmon fillets being prepped and I just thought this is the top tier you know like this is amazing um, <laughs> I had a little bit more to learn uh, from that point on but um, I was actually set to start my apprenticeship there um, and a couple of weeks before it actually burnt down um, so, yeah so I think you know fate fate has, has funny ways of working things and um, yeah, and then my parents actually were at a work dinner at at Beppi's, um, which is you know one of Australia's oldest and you know institution of Italian food, um, and there was you know celebrities eating there, Jeffrey Rush and a few others, and they came home and they said, "You want to be a chef? You could start start here." So we got on the phone to phone to Beppi, and yeah, it was a, it was an amazing experience. I mean, I was cooking you know, making raviolis next to, you know, four or five nonnas in the kitchen. It certainly wasn't, you know, the the, the the kitchens that I'm used to now, but it was a great, great place to, you know, start off.
1: Well, take us back to that kitchen. Um, what was it like um, working there? And are there any dishes that you remember that you can tell us about from that period of time?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was... Um, it was challenging as a, you know, seventeen year old seventeen year old Italian boy that didn't speak Italian. Um, you know, that was the that was the one thing that you know, I can't believe your parents didn't teach you how to speak Italian and you know, I was a little bit of a little bit of an outcast, but they treated me really well. But, you know, you can imagine four or five nonnas and a and a couple of old Italian dudes and then a whippersnapper like me coming in. Um, but yeah, it was, it was awesome, we were, you know, making, you know, lobster ravioli and veal saltimbocca and, you know, just the, the classics really, really well. Um, but yeah, so that was, that was a, my, my start.
1: You ended up doing uh, your apprenticeship at Key as well. How did that come about? And do you remember the first time you, you worked in the, that kitchen?
0: Absolutely. So from, from Bepi's, actually, um, I started going to TAFE and there was a few, a few guys and girls in my, in my class that were working at, at Hatted restaurants and I'd, I'd never heard of a Hatted restaurant or, you know, The Good Food Guide or anything like that um, and they were telling me stories about, you know, a big brigade with, you know, a hierarchy and all these ingredients that I'd never heard of. Um, so, I went looking and I found a restaurant called Bistro Ortolan. Um It was in Leichhardt. That um, had one one hat at the time, um, and I kind of I begged my parents to to take me there for dinner. Um, had a had a chat with had a chat with uh, the chef Paul, and um, and he said, yeah, man, if you wanna if you wanna give it a go, we'll we'll give you a shot. So um, I was there for about three years, um, and you know I, I, I worked my butt off worked my butt off, and they gave me you know anything I. I wanted to work for they would you know help me get there you know like from you know learning to fill up fish and shuck oysters and all those really really strong basics um I learned there and you know Paul and Jenny were amazing um and after about 3 years we we sat down and had a coffee and he kind of said to me look you know like you know it's it's not you not normal for chefs to stay in one place for you know too long what do you want to do next and the, the key book had just come out, um, and you know, it was in the top 50 best restaurants in the world. And I said, if I'm going to work anywhere other than here, I want it to be, I want it to be key. And he was, he was really, really nice about um, you know, giving, giving Peter a call um, and saying, I've got a kid that wants to learn. Do you want to give him a shot? And, wow. Yeah. So I've, I've been very lucky.
1: How different was the, the kitchen at Key compared to what you had been used to?
0: Totally different, totally different. I mean, this was um, maybe 10 or 12 years ago um, and Key was, you know, a seven day a week, seven lunches, seven dinner operation with 40-odd 40, 40 chefs um, and I'd come from, from a, a, little, a little bistro in, in Leichhardt, um, yeah, so from, with four chefs, so it was a big, big learning curve. It was a big learning curve. Yeah, but I mean, at the time, Annalise was Annalise Gregory was the head chef, and and Peter Gilmore was, was on the pass every night, and um, just to be able to see, you know, a guy like a guy like Peter Gilmore, you know, on the pass and teaching you how to plate dishes, and for for anyone, that's unbelievable, unbelievable.
1: That in those early days with so many chefs, or what were some of the, the sort of key moments or roles that that you experienced that that helped you take the next steps?
0: Um, I mean, I just tried to work my hardest and do as much as I could. Um, I mean, I was I was very lucky that you know the guys in the kitchen were super experienced um, and also willing to willing to teach me. So my first job, my first section was on the pass. On the main course pass, um, and that was kind of yeah one of the one of the premiere kind of the meat and the garnish were the two premiere sections. So I got to work with you know the the best chefs in the kitchen at that time. Um, and you know I'd I'd come in early and you know do all my prep, so then you know the guys could teach me how to how to fill it, you know massive barcods or or things like that, and you know break down lamb legs and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's been it's been. Of learning every day
1: there was a period of time where you left key um, before returning and and rising the ranks as you as you have done and you spent some time in in London at the ledbury and tell tell us about that period of time and and what it was like working with Brett Graham
0: yeah so um <clears throat> it was. It was actually a very similar situation to to what I had with 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 Paul at um, Bistro Orslan. I was at Key for about three years, and um, and I, I knew I wanted to go overseas and and try my hand in in Michelin star restaurants. And um, you know, there was a few guys in the kitchen that had worked at, worked at the library before, and I kind of set my sights on that. So, um, had a chat with with Peter Gilmore, and 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 he said, "Look, man, I'll give I'll give Brett a call and." Um, and we'll see if we can get you in there. So, I kind of pack, packed my bags and and went off. Um, yeah, it was it was an amazing, amazing experience. I mean, I don't think I've ever worked that hard. Um, but if ev- everybody, everybody in the kitchen was doing it, and everybody was there together, and Brett is, you know, the most passionate guy in the world, um, and also, you know, the most giving giving guy in the world. You work incredibly hard for him. But he'll give you, you know, all you need to succeed, um, which is amazing. And some of the some of the ingredients that you get to see through there, and the way the way he thinks about food is is like no other. Um, yeah, he's amazing.
1: Do you have any stories of the ingredients that you encountered over there and and understanding them?
0: Yeah. So um, the the library was a little bit different different to key in the way that you know we would always get whole animals in so um uh, you know we get whole lambs and and whole pigs and and ducks still with the feathers on and those kind of things um and you know like the the menu would change day to day which is you know unheard of at that you know two michelin star level um you know we'd use we'd use the the pork heads for for a terrine and then we'd use the legs on a on a lunch menu and the you know the fillets and the chops for for the posh tasting menu. Um, and that's something that I'd never really seen before, the way that we can adapt the dishes um, to suit, you know, the different cuts and the different varieties um, of, you know, heritage breeds of pork and lamb and, and beef and all the different things. Do you remember
1: the first time you broke down a, a whole pig and the experience of it that you can take us through?
0: Yeah, absolutely. It was um, it was actually at the Ledbury um and then there was there was four of us uh myself Brett and um and two of the other chefs and you know i kind of i was a bit of a ring in i was on the on the cold larder section and um they knew that i wanted to i wanted to help them um and they said Do you want to come over and yeah i just i kind of got told that everything i was doing was wrong um uh, but you know you you learn you learn fast if you want to keep up with those guys you you learn quick um, and yeah, just, just understand, being able to understand, you know, there's different parts of the pig and where they come from and what they do, um, is something that, you know, you only really understand when you see it in front of you in a, in a whole beast kind of setting.
1: You came back to Australia. Tell us about that period of time. What, what, what brought you back? And, uh, was it, was it difficult getting back into the Sydney scene, having worked in London?
0: Um, yeah, I mean, I was, I was actually walking home uh, from the Ledbury. I I lived about 10 minutes away. um, And, you know, I was walking home at at 1 or 2am and it was raining in in winter. um, And I saw I had a missed call during the day from, from Peter Gilmore. And I thought, well, this is strange. Um, So I gave him, I gave him a buzz back. um, And, you know, we had a good chat for for 10 or 15 minutes. And I knew there was there was something he wanted to say. um, And he said, look, we're opening a restaurant in the in the opera house, um, and Rob Rob Cockrell is going to be is going to be the the head chef under me. And I was wondering if you want to be a sous chef. Um, and you know, it had been a it'd been a year and a half or so um, in London. And I thought, yeah, this this is this is something to come back to for sure. So um, yeah, I was on a plane, you know, a month later. Uh, moved back in, moved back in with mum, um, and you know, I, my my now wife came to London with me, so we both packed up our bags and and came home.
1: Well, uh, what the Think Group created at Benlong was extraordinary, but take us back to being part of of that opening and the and the kitchen team. What was it like working with Rob Cockrell and Peter Gilmore and pulling that together?
0: Yeah, um, it was a it was and still is an amazing team. Over a Benelong, um, you know the the way that you know Peter Gilmore creates a culture, um, not only at Key but now now at Benelong as well, is you know very very different to what it was like um, in London. You know there's there's very little, um, you know there's no yelling and screaming. Actually, there's you know the the way the kitchen is set up is that everyone you know is trained well um, and treated with respect, um, and you know and yeah, the, the culture that Rob and, Rob and Pete have, have created over there is, is amazing, an amazing place to work. Um, but it was very challenging as well. I mean, it was Rob's – Rob came from Key as a sous chef. Um, it was his first head chef gig, and it was mine and also Shui, um, our first sous chef gig. So opening a restaurant with, every, with everyone learning – um it was a it was a big big learning curve but I can I can only say you know really positive things about Rob and and Peter. Um you know they gave us a lot of guidance but they also let us let us make our own mistakes. Um and you know and we'd always talk about how we could have done things better. Um and yeah I think a lot of that kind of managerial skills that I have now uh, are due to the, the two of them.
1: Ben is renowned for a number of um, signature dishes which appeared sort of on magazines across the country and, and um, lots of media. But do you, do you have any pork dishes that you remember from that period of time that really exemplify what you guys were doing in that kitchen? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so, um, I mean, as, as, as you and the the listeners probably know, Peter Gilmore is the uh, the king of jowl, of pork jowl. Uh, um, And there's been a you know a pork gel dish on the menu at Key in you know a million different uh, iterations. Uh, But what we did at Benelong is we were working on on handmade noodles, um, you know, before the opening, Um, and we were making these noodles out of all these different different flowers and and different techniques. Um, And we actually paired one of the first dishes we kind of ticked off the list. Was a, a handmade noodles on top of a, a slowly slowly cooked piece of jowl that we cooked um, in butter overnight, um, and then with like a, a butter sauce. So it was kind of yeah. It was this. It was the start of uh, you know a lot of a lot of dishes that have come come from those two kind of the mashup of the two the two dishes.
1: You spent a bit of time with uh, Lennox Hasty, who um, sort of stormed into the scene cooking over fire and um, changing the way we, th- we thought about cooking and eating. Um, what was it like in that kitchen, having worked in the likes of Banalong and Key and the Leadbury to, to cooking over fire?
0: <laughs> yes. Um, for, yeah, it was, it was very, very different. And there was a very steep, steep learning curve. I mean, I, I thought I knew, knew how to cook pretty well, uh, but when you start it, when you start at Firedore, it's uh, it's a whole different ball game. I mean, um, just you know, from from coming from a kitchen where you turn up turn up the gas, um, you know, and you get more heat to something that you know you have to wait wait half an hour, an hour, a couple of hours to get some decent heat to cook over things. It was a it was a big learning curve. I mean, um, you know, I I went there thinking, you know, it's. Uh, it's fire everywhere, but I'm sure you know we can cook. You know, bo- boil a pot of water over a stove, but there really is, there really is no stove. So if you want to blanch some peas, you better start a fire, you know, four or five hours <laughs> earlier. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it also goes the other way. I mean, it takes a long time for the for the heat to start, um, but it also, you know, it it increases in heat very, very quickly and then can decrease in heat very, very quickly. So not only are you thinking about how, you know, the temperature of the piece of the meat or the fish or the vegetable that you're cooking, um, you're also thinking about the fire and do I need to put an extra log on or or move it around a little bit or fan it. Um, So it's a a whole different world Um, and and Lennox is the master. so yeah he, he he let me touch the grill and let me cook on the grill which is a which is a, a big accomplishment because he's very protective over that grill um so yeah I, f- I feel like on the day that he's you know let me cook the the dry edge steak and and things like that that okay he trusts me now um and you know <laughs> it gave him the opportunity to you know take a few days off and and do do media things and you know all that kind of stuff which was which was a you know, it meant a lot to me that he trusted me, you know, to, to cook his precious precious steak and things like that. So, yeah, it was awesome.
1: Uh, the, the foundation that underpins what Lennox does at, at Firedoor really, really requires the the best possible produce and a, a real connection with farmers. Do you have any stories of connecting with pig farmers and being on the land and, and seeing what they do?
0: Yeah, totally. So um, there's two two kind of pig farmers that, that I have a, a – a great relationship with um, one is is Luke and Luke and Pia from Tarthra Place um, in Tiralgan near Goulburn. Um, so we were getting we were getting pigs from from them um, at Fidor and we actually use their ducks here at Key. Um, but they're they're very interesting because they have a couple of different breeds that they're that they're crossing and um, that they're using, which not many other people are. So they have a Tokyo X um, lineage. Uh, and they also have um, hampshire crossed with saddleback. So, yeah, it's very, very unusual. And, um, you know, they weren't killing, they weren't processing too many a week. So we'd get, you know, one one a fortnight of a, of a Tokyo X um, beast. And, yeah, learning, you know, the nuances of the way it cooked and the, the flavor profile and, um, you know, just how to treat a, a piece of pork that's, you know, it's still a piece of pork, but it's also very different to, you know, the guy down the road who's 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 breeding pork as well. So, um, yeah, they're amazing, amazing people. I got to spend a couple of weeks living on their farm. Um, uh, yeah, so Luke Luke took me took me in, and um, I got to stay in their house. And I mean, just such such generosity uh, on their part, just taking a a chef a chef in, and you know, fixed fences and um you know moved moved pigs and took ducks to the to the processing facility and yeah it's um yeah the way they do things is is incredible
1: well, not many people get to spend that period of time on a on a farm like that that's actually producing food for human consumption what, what sort of impact did did that experience of being on a pig farm have on you and the way you cooked beyond that time
0: yeah um I mean firstly the the respect for, for the animal, um, it made a big difference to me. I mean, I've always been taught, you know, that, that you know, we treat each ing- ingredient no matter what it is with the utmost respect. When it comes in, we, you know, pack it away as nicely as we can and we cook it as nicely as we can. Um, but to see, you know, literally from the day, you know, a, a, a little piglet is born, um, you know, what it eats and how it spends its time with its, with its mother um, and, and, you know, how much work goes into, to giving this, this pig, the, the, the life it deserves. Um, and then when it comes into the restaurant, I mean, it's, it's, it's the only way to do it is to treat it with, with the same respect and to, to love it as much as, you know, the farmers have loved it. Um, so that really brought home, you know, we can't, we can't waste any of this and we can't, you know, burn it or, you know, because it's 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 a it's a whole couple of months in the making of a lot of people doing a lot of hard work. So that's that's the main thing that I took out of it.
1: These days, you're the co-head chef at, at Key, which is um, an amazing accomplishment. But take us into the kitchen. What's what's the sort of modus operandi when it comes to creating a dish between you and Tim and and Peter? Do you have um, a dish that you can tell us about of how you work together.
0: Yeah, so I mean, uh, to get one thing straight, I mean, all 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 of the dishes are uh, are Peter Gilmore, and um, you know we are more of the the executors um, at Key, but I mean we do have a lot of a lot of time in development of the dishes. Um, so whether it's, you know, an ingredient that we've we've all never seen before, uh, we kind of get together and have a bit of a meeting um, and say, how are we going to treat this this ingredient? Uh, and then we work from there. Uh, but other times, you know, Peter will come to us and say, you know, I'd like to do this with a dish. Um, and can you and Tim, please go and, and figure it out, basically. Um, so we had a we had a dish which was an, an eel bavoie, um which, which got a lot of, a lot of uh, positive feedback and a bit of press and stuff like that, which was awesome. Um, but basically, Pete, Peter came to us and said, you know, I want to make this bavoie. Um You know, I think we should uh, make a consomme first and then we're going to reduce it and then we're going to uh, mix it with cream and whipped cream and have a superset bavois that kind of melts as soon as it hits your tongue. Um, and then m- Tim and myself kind of went away and worked on, you know, creating the, the most flavorful consomme we could um, that really had a lot of eel flavor. Um, and then we'd take it to, to Chef and he'd say, okay, cool, that's, that's amazing or it needs a little bit more salt or, or those kind of things. And then we'd work on the next step, next step together. Um, so, I mean, yeah, P- Peter Gilmore is, the, is the, definitely the genius behind Key. Um but we, we we help him to you know achieve and execute day in day out.
1: What are you loving about um, what you do?
0: Um, I think at the moment in the, in the role that, that I have, um, I'm really enjoying the challenge of, of motivating our team. Um, you know, in the climate that it is now there's a there's high competition for for staff, and I'm really enjoying, you know, building connections with the team and, and finding ways to enhance their experience. Um, I mean, of course, I love, you know, cooking food at, at this level and, you know, with, with Peter and, and the team. Um, but yeah, the, the biggest challenge, which I'm really enjoying at the moment, is, is the managerial side and, and learning how to get the best from, from individual people because everyone's different and everybody needs, needs different things.
1: Um, Yeah. Well, Troy, it's amazing what you guys are doing there at at Key and it's an absolute honor to have you on The Crackling today to hear your story. Um, Please keep in touch and um, we'll catch up again soon.
0: Uh, Thank you so much for having me, Huck. It's been been a pleasure.
1: This is The Crackling, a Deep in the Weeds production in partnership with Porkstar. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we catch up with some of Australia's best chefs and pork producers to discover what makes Australian pork so special.